you are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Pacers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can get a daily dose of great information about your favorite NBA and NFL team, including the Pacers, right here. My name is Tom Lewis of IndieCornos.com, always here to bring you the latest news and notes about the Pacers, and I'm cutting a little holiday break short today because there's a little too much drama emanating out of the Pacers' last game against the Chicago Bulls to let it go without a pod, so had to uh, get on and discuss uh, what we saw, what we heard, uh, we'll hit on some of the problems the Pacers showed on the court in their 90-85 loss, talk about uh, some of the stuff we heard off the court after the game, which drew plenty of headlines and some overreaction from fans and plenty of interaction on social media, that is for sure. And as always, you know, things aren't as bad as they seem, nor as good as they appear when things are going the other way. So we'll give you some reason for hope on the horizon after a three-game losing streak. Uh, along with an injury report update, which isn't quite as hopeful. But before we dive in, a reminder to check in with your questions or comments on what's going on with the Pacers. You can hit me up on email at indycornrose at gmail.com and on Twitter at indycornrose. So, let's dial it back to the United Center Monday night. The Pacers lost 90-85, always a rough go of it for the Pacers up in Chicago, it seems, and this game was ugly from a variety of angles, really. Uh, you had the Bulls playing at home, but they were on a back-to-back after a not-so-fun trip down to San Antonio, where they got beat up for mo- much of the game against the Spurs on Christmas night, so they're coming back with essentially 24-hour turnaround and the Pacers simply played uninspired ball for much of the game after three full days off and made a little bit too late run for a win in the fourth quarter and came up short. Now, you know, the Pacers didn't shoot well, which is always a problem. C.J. Miles in particular is struggling all of a sudden, especially from behind the arc, but uh, no one really shot well. I think they were about 42% for the game. Uh, They also gave up 19 points uh, via their 16 turnovers, which was a good chuck more than the Bulls gave up. Uh, They were out-rebounded, which is a problem in losses for Pacers, and they allowed the Bulls 16 offensive rebounds among that rebounding deficit. So those types of things always add up to impact a loss with the Pacers, and a lot of that traces back to 48-minute effort and how the Pacers are playing, and they just didn't have it on this night. And, uh, you know, a clip flying around on uh, Twitter during the game and after, uh, I linked to it on a story this morning, on uh, Tuesday morning, uh, you know, in the first half, showed Paul George when the Pacers were on defense getting beat to a rebound twice by Rajon Rondo, who got the O-rebound, kept the uh, possession alive. Paul George also didn't get out to cover Jimmy Butler on 
a three that created one of those offensive rebounds. So he didn't get the rebound, didn't cover his guy. Rondo eventually got the ball in the corner to Mirotic, who hit a three-pointer, and that kind of illustrated the game for the Pacers. They were just a step slow in going for the ball and, you know, literally going for the win. And um, it would eventually lead to the Bulls making the plays that they needed to and uh, getting a W, even though they were running on fumes themselves on their home court. So that type of play, you know, makes complaining about other parts of the game seem a little hollow, especially after the fact. But there was an area where they have complained by the Pacers, and they seized on that after the game. Uh, the Bulls made just 20 of their 28 free throw attempts, but uh, those 20 makes were double the number of free throw attempts the Pacers had in the game. So Paul George, he had just one free throw uh, compared to Jimmy Butler's 12 attempts. And that in itself, that treatment of the quote-unquote star players uh, on both teams has kind of been a problem for the Pacers all year. Now, you can say Paul George isn't always aggressive enough, uh, but he often is left begging for a call. Never a good look when PG is looking at the refs as the play is still going on and often losing his man. Uh, we saw that a couple times in prior games, and I think that built up frustration over the you know, past, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks where the Pacers haven't been playing real well. Paul George hasn't been playing his best, has been struggling shooting, and certainly hasn't been getting calls um, like he thinks he should. Uh, that turned into Nate McMillan standing up and defending his star after the game. He wasn't even asked about officiating, um, but started in saying that, you know, the team just needs more respect. And in particular, Paul George, and he was asked, maybe should PG be getting the superstar treatment? Is that what he meant? And he responded that no, he just wants a fair game. In fact, here's this quote, call it fair, McMillan said. I'm not talking about superstar treatment. With those guys, you've got to be aggressive. The players that are really good in this league, you've got to be aggressive and you play physical. And that's the way the Bulls play. Paul George, he's not getting any any calls. I think it's ridiculous that he plays 39 minutes, he shoots one free throw. They shoot 28 free throws, we shoot 10. They've got to call the touching and the physical play on both ends, end quote. So, obviously, Nate was standing up for his player. I saw the uh, comments on the postgame show on Fox Sports Indiana, and you could tell he was he was taking one for PG. Obviously, a fine is going to be coming for complaining about the referees. And this was a coach trying to stand up and look towards the future and try and get uh, some calls for a star player. Now, of course, Paul George was asked about this in the locker room, and he uh, didn't help things. Jumping in and, and commenting on how he's used to not getting calls while being in the Pacers uniform, you know, reference always being a little brother uh, against some other teams. And, you know, in particular, I think those references are to playing in Chicago. Uh, as he was coming up, the Bulls were playing those big games against uh, the Derrick Rose, Joachim Noah Bulls. Uh, and then, you know, down in Miami, Pacers have always had problems down in Miami. And obviously, in particular, when they had the big three in those playoff series, uh, always uh, felt he got the short end of the... Uh, referees' whistles uh, went down there. So he has talked about that in the past as well, uh, being talking about how the Pacers get uh, shrifted. So uh, this time, though, he kind of took it one step further and 
uh, literally uh, floated out uh, a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Here, here's this quote uh, from, again, this quote's from the Nate Taylor report. Uh, also, I didn't see these on Fox Sports, so... Uh, here's Paul George. I've been fined multiple times, George said. I've been vocal to the point where the league issues, uh, hey, we missed a call. Officials do it during games. Oh, I missed a call. I missed this call. We're sorry. We're sorry. It's getting repetitive. They see it. They know what's going on. They know what's a foul. They know what's not a foul. It comes down from somewhere else how these games are going, I believe. End quote. So, basically saying that... The referees are turning a blind eye because they're uh, being told to essentially screw the Pacers and screw Paul George. So uh, it's hard to buy into that fully or at all, but uh, as far as the conspiracy goes, but just buying into the complaints um, when you see the whole of a game like Monday night in Chicago uh, where that effort and that aggressiveness from Paul just wasn't there. You know, he took, I believe, 12 of his 14 shots were pull-up jumpers or, you know, perimeter shots, not at the rim. And you're not going to get a call from a ref if you're not attacking the rim. And he mentioned that he's gotten to the point where he is shying away from driving to the hoop because he assumes he's not going to get a call at the rim if he gets fouled. And honestly, that is the wrong approach. And I hope that is just pure frustration <laughs> spilling out there because you got to be assertive to get a call and you got to play through contact. And a lot of times you see this not only with Paul but also with uh, Miles Turner uh, sometimes because Turner issue is a little bit different. He doesn't really have a you know the the arsenal of low post game to turn to, and sometimes he gets stuck. And I think he's hoping to get a foul. Uh, but you got to play all the way through contact. If you kind of let up at the point of contact, assuming you're going to get a call, uh, it makes it a lot easier for the officials to swallow the whistle and let it go. And, I, you know, I, I see that a lot of times with PG as well. He'll take that, you know, step, kind of get stuck, and then just kind of hope the whistle's coming and it doesn't come uh, instead of trying to burst through the contact and make the official make a call. So it's not all on the rest. It's... Again, that aggressiveness and uh, making it happen and, you know, almost willing things to happen on the court, uh, being that man that, you know, I know PG wants to be, it just doesn't always turn out, I think, as he feels it does in his mind. And, you know, when you look at the NBA's uh, last two-minute report from the game, which uh, is a source of contention, I know uh, Kevin Durant was quoted as calling the uh, those reports bullshit for the uh, referees in the league uh, having to deal with that, basically getting thrown under the bus, even though it confirmed that Durant was fouled on the last play uh, against the Cavs. But uh, regardless, uh, if you look through how the NBA viewed that last two minutes up in Chicago, uh, the only incorrect call they had was uh, missing a travel on Michael Carter-Williams, which, oh, by the way, led to a key bucket for the Bulls, uh, which put him up four with under a minute to play. But overall, this was a team loss, and you can look at all 48 minutes, add up the issues, the missed opportunities. They, they got enough stops, uh, and they just had too many bad possessions on offense, and that half-court offense just remains 
clunky. Uh, and we know that because McMillan was willing to go with Aaron Brooks down the stretch instead of Jeff Teague. Now Brooks was playing great, getting buckets, um, doing a good job. And that you know, I'm fine with him rolling with a hot hand like that. Uh, I just wish Brooks would have bounced one of those no-conscience three-point attempts he's known for there at the end instead of trying to cross-court pass, which turned into the dagger steal by Dwayne Wade and a dunk at the other end to end the game. But as for PG taking the heat now for his demeanor on the court and comments after, uh, you know, he, he's getting a lot of heat in, in various stories and, and, you know, commentary on social media and things because that you know, type of body language and, and demeanor isn't really what you want from your team leader. And, you know, he, he wanted to be the man and be the leader of his team. Frank Vogel's gone. George Hill is gone. Uh, it is his team. And he, you know, far too often seems to be looking for some, some help or uh, someone to lean on uh, when he's not getting it done down the stretch. And I think that's compounding his frustration, realizing that, you know, the Bucks stopping with him on the court if the Pacers are going to pull out some of these games, and um, he's not always able to get it done. So you can't blame PG for the flawed roster that currently is out there um, with the changes that were made in the offseason. Um, Labor didn't exactly give him a lot of help, um, especially on the defensive end. And again, they're not fully healthy either, uh, which has been a source of problems for the Pacers from game to game. So, you know, the loss gave the Pacers their first three-game losing streak of the season, and a lot of that negativity that, you know, we hear about Paul George is also turning on Nate McMillan. In fact, uh, Evan Morris from IndieCorners.com wrote a uh, piece on Tuesday saying that McMillan should be fired after just 32 games, and, you know, I I think that seems a little bit harsh, uh, considering the the fact that you know McMillan really tried to um, put in this uh, up tempo pace that Larry Bird was wanting to see, and spent a lot of time in preseason, you know, with the 14 second shot clock and having having the team run a lot, and it's a team that isn't built to run, uh, and that has kind of leveled itself out. They've pulled back from that a bit, but really, <laughs> amazingly, the team is still a top 10 team in pace, um, even though, you know, really, the personnel just doesn't fit that style. And you got to admit, McMillan has also altered his rotation several times. He's given about everyone on the team a chance to rise up and, and make an impact and increase their role. Uh, obviously, some of that's forced on him by injuries, but... He has changed things around. I think the amount of lost games from Paul George, Montales, and Rodney Stuckey combined is one thing that's really hurt because those are key guys uh, for generating offense, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, whatever you say. Uh, and they've missed a lot of games combined. And, and really, of late, that uh, not having that Stuckey off the bench uh, and or Monte, I guess, has been a problem at times in games. But honestly, you know, the Pacers have not played well throughout the season, but they remain, you know, in the ballpark for at least my expectations of a 45-ish win team, uh, similar to what they were last year. You look back at Frank Vogel's season last year, I mean, they had six three-game losing streaks during the season, and I do find it kind of funny now that, you know, it seems like 
people are remarking about how Vogel was so tough, um, and they they're not getting that with McMillan uh, because you know those teams were much better on defense, and Vogel, you know, had that defensive reputation. But really, you know, when you talked about the coaching change heading into the season, the, the Pacers, you know, organization and the players before the season all, you know, talked about how they needed. Uh, a more demanding coach who is going to hold players more accountable. <laughs> and that is the area where I think McMillan is failing so far and deserves criticism because, you know, he may very well be holding players accountable and, you know, not letting late arrivals for practice slide by. But, you know, the team doesn't appear motivated by a style, whatever's going on um, on the court. Uh, consistently enough, and that's the bottom line uh, when you're watching this team. But again, all is not lost. The Pacers um, have an upcoming schedule, which is extremely favorable. You know, assuming relatively good health, the Pacers should be above 500 by the end of January, and well within playoff contention. So, if not, you got to imagine that trade deadline will be busy. Changes will be in store. Uh, and that might even involve the coach at that point. But, uh, you know, the next 10 games include just one opponent with a record currently above 500, and that's the Knicks. So, um, uh, you know, obviously the Bulls and the Wizards are playing better of late, sort of the Sacramento Kings. But, again, they all remain below 500, and they present an opportunity for the Pacers to, you know, put things together on a consistent basis. So this is uh, another vital stretch of the season They've been up and down through other key stretches, you know, survived some really harsh stretches, uh, and now they go into one that isn't so harsh and need to take advantage of it. And again, a little help off the bench would be a big bonus. Um, And it looks like the injury report uh, took a hit coming out of Chicago. Obviously, Rodney Stuckey played about six minutes, tried to sprint up the court, and his left hamstring twinged on him and sent him hobbling off the court eventually, and that is bad news because uh, if that's going to be a little recurring nagger, uh, I assume they're going to try and keep him out longer this time around to make sure that thing is really healed up and able to withstand more than six minutes of actual game time. Uh, So he has been ruled out for the Wizards for sure. I'm sure we'll get more updates on that when they arrive back home um, from Washington. But as for Monte Ellis, things seem a little bit better. He is suddenly closer to returning. He's listed as questionable in Washington instead of out, as he has been. Uh, He's been seen working out in practice, hasn't been fully participating with the team in practice, but he's out there. He is traveling with the team. Um, So uh, being listed as questionable puts him in play uh, for – a return sooner rather than later, and the current circumstances may set up perfectly for Monte to return and begin a roll off the bench as he's working his way back into shape, which, you know, if it works out well, uh, may stick, and that could improve Monte's overall impact on the rotation. As we saw, things were bogging down too much with he and Jeff Teague playing together with the starting unit at the same time. Uh, now this is a more of a natural transition uh, via injury for Monte to be coming off the bench. And I'm sure if things are going well, he'll be fine with that role uh, as long as he's making a bit of an impact. So 
So you never know how things are going to work out throughout a season in the NBA. It's a long grind, big marathon, a lot of ups and downs, and the Pacers currently down looking to rebound and head back in the right direction. At first, they face another tough road test against the Wizards on Wednesday, and we'll see if they can snap that losing streak and earn a, a quality road win, which would be against the Wiz, who are playing much better of late. So thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune into the Pacers game and let me know what you think. Uh, you can reach me via email at indycornrows at gmail.com and on Twitter at indycornrows. As always, you can find the podcast on audioboom.com, and you can subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play, where all the past episodes are available. So please check them out. And that's all for now. You've been listening to Locked On Pacers on the Locked On Podcast Network. You got it. takes a lot to get excited about a bag but most bags can't save you 20 percent on auto parts that's 20 percent off headlamps 20 percent off oil filters 20 percent off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent napa reusable bag so tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out quality parts helpful people that's napa know-how napa know-how at participating napa auto parts stores while supplies last minimum three items exclusions apply offer ends 10 31 17